Welcome back to another episode of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmeyer of The Athletic. We have a lot to get into. We're going to be joined by former super middleweight champion David Benavidez, who's going to preview his fight against Ronald Ellis on Showtime this Saturday and talk about the bad blood brewing between himself and Caleb Plant. We're going to also break down the big time fight on Saturday. It's Ramon Chocolatito Gonzalez against Juan Francisco Estrada. The rematch eight years later, fighting for supremacy at 115 pounds, two future Hall of Famers. So we'll get into that and then we'll also get into plenty of news. So if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, rate, review, and now let's get right into it. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. It's creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, it seems the like only a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. you got to go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Lance, uh, it's, not, it's rare that I get this excited for a fight. And I, I don't know. I feel kind of giddy about this one. Chocolatito and Estrada. One of the rare can-miss fights in boxing. And I'm just marveled at, this is eight years later. These guys fought eight years ago at 108 pounds. Now they're fighting at 115 pounds and they're still on top. And if you go back even a year ago, it looked like this was impossible, right? Because Chocolatito was written off by many, I mean, myself included, after he was knocked out so viciously by Sorung Vasai. And, you know, Rung Vasai had his series of fights with Estrada. Now... We have Chocolatito come back and look spectacular against Kalyafai, turning back the clock. He looks good again against Israel Gonzalez, set up this grudge match against Juan Francisco Estrada. And I think it's so important to note, these are two future first ballot Hall of Famers, no question about it. This is a guy in Juan Francisco Estrada who's on the pound for pound list. Chocolatito's, you know, not there right now in the top 10, but with a win, he'll be there. And in that first fight, they combined for over 2,100 punches. Uh, there's just no way this fight isn't great and is exactly what we need in boxing right now. Absolutely, Mike. I mean, the beauty of this fight is that it started as such a like a like a hardcore boxing fan event. You know, I, I can remember I, I don't think there was any American television on this thing. It was staged at the L.A. Sports Arena and, um, you know, not a lot of fanfare at all other than the hardcores. And now, like the hardcores have have followed these guys all the way through who they are now, and they're completely mainstream. And, you know, look, I, I wrote a story that's on The Athletic right now, and I think the credit that both of these men deserve, like you said, they're definitely bound for the Hall of Fame, is that they alone have have brought, you know, mainstream attention to these lighter weight classes. I, we know that, you know, years ago, Bob Arum had a great fight at the Las Vegas Hilton between Mike, Michael Carbajal and Humberto uh, Chiquita Gonzalez, and he made the rematch at the Forum uh, in Los Angeles. And it, in that fight, he he made these guys the first uh, guys in that weight class to earn $1 million each. So, But other than that, there really wasn't a lot of attention on these weight classes until these guys, Chocolatito and, and Estrada, have really brought the, you know, the lighter weights back to prominence. And I, and I think, like, you know, we've seen so many compelling fights, uh, including, you know, the fact that they were able to uh, create their own Superfly series, you know, although they didn't fight each other, they were fighting other guys like Sarang Vasai and uh, Carlos Quadras and so many good fights uh, throughout that series that have led to this point. And I, you know, look, I mean, I know there was a lot of talk for so many years, like, 
when are these two guys going to fight again? But this is like one of the few cases where I do believe like the mirror nation actually has, has paid off because now that they are coming back after all of they've done and showing so much grit, it's just going to make this, the anticipation for this fight, um, you know, so worth its weight in gold. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I can't even believe we're here that the fight still matters and not just matters matters more than ever. So you're right. It did work. Not that it was on purpose. I don't think, but, and but, I, I can't remember. I, I, I think maybe it was on like a wealth TV pay-per-view or something incredibly minor, but there was no major us TV attached. That's for sure. And I just remember that being like a, like a degenerate fight fans fight, 108 pound title fight between, um, you know, a Nicaraguan and a Mexican. And here we are now, Eddie Hearn. I love how Eddie Hearn's really got behind this. He's pushing it hard. The zone's calling it the legacy fight. And it is because Chocolatito won that first fight. And since it's now Juan Francisco Estrada, who's been the guy, you know, who's on the pound for pound list. He's the guy who's been, you know, rolling over people and look, odds never lie. You know, we see that in boxing all the time. You know, a lot of these fights, minus 2,000, minus 3,000. Well, we have the odds here for Chocolatito Estrada. Sorry, Chocolatito Gonzalez against Juan Francisco Estrada. And all odds, of course, provided by BetMGM, our sponsor. Juan Francisco Estrada is a slight favorite, Lance, at minus 150. And then we have Chocolatito at plus 125. So, yeah, there you go. That's a that's a virtual toss-up, coin flip. And... I, I I honestly I think I'm riding with Gonzalez here. I just are you. I, I don't feel well, confident. Let me, let me stop you right there, Mike. Because look, you saw when Gonzalez won the belt, the WBA belt. You were ringside. What was it about seeing him that night against Kaiyafai that made you fe- feel like you know he should be favored in this fight and he's your pick? Um, he, you know, it's just that incredible technique that he's always had. The way he slides around while delivering punches in the pocket. You know, he's here. He's there. The way he can just mesh offense with defense so easily, it's a, it's a rare trade in boxing. And it just seemed like the old Chocolatito to me. Maybe the time off did him well. Uh, maybe Caliafai was the right opponent, but he looked good against Israel Gonzalez too. And, you know, he won the first fight. I don't feel confident here. This is a coin flip for a reason. And I think you just take the value here. In a coin flip fight, you take the value. And I'm going with the value on Chocolatito at plus 125. Yeah, I like... I like Estrada. I think that, you know, look, he's kind of like let this thing uh, burn inside him that he lost that first fight. He, you know, it was the first it was the first and only time he's ever had to move down to 108 pounds for that fight. He had kind of been through some personal drama uh, following the death of his aunt uh, right at the start of training camp, who was basically like a a mother to him after he lost his mother uh, to leukemia. And, you know, look what he's done since I believe he's like 14 and one. Um, has been phenomenal. And this guy, again and again, we even saw it in his most recent fight against Carlos Cuadras. You know, he gets knocked down, and he gets back up, and he wins by technical knockout. I mean, that's who um, Estrada is. He's uh, he's a guy who's not going to be denied, and I think this is the, his greatest opportunity to, to show exactly what kind of man he is. And if he can get revenge, you know, it, it certainly punches his ticket into Canastota. Lance, you know, I would argue that Estrada's already punched his ticket to the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's been dominant. He has a long, long run at 115. He had a good run at 112, 108. Wins over Brian Valoria, Rungvisai, um, a close fight with Chocolatito. But yeah, I mean, I guess you can leave no doubt with a win, certainly. First ballot. But I think he's first ballot right now. And, you know, I think we have to give credit, like you said before, HBO, Tom Loeffler, and that Superfly series really helped usher in these, these little guys more and more. And 
I, I remember not too long ago, there was just such a stigma around, oh, well, I don't care about guys under this weight. I don't care about those guys. But I don't even, maybe you were one of those guys, Lance. I can't even remember at this point. Maybe. Who, maybe. who can, who can yeah. really say? Yeah. Hey. I know our friend Chris Mannix was. But I, I think it's going to be a great, great fight. And I hope we can get the momentum rolling in boxing. I, and look, obviously, it's easier to make these fights at these weight classes because there's less money involved. But we need mm-hmm. more of the, the uh, higher weight classes, too. Yeah, and the beauty thing uh, about this fight is that so, uh, Rung, Rungvisai is fighting, Mike. He's fighting in Thailand um, on on uh, Saturday as well. So, look, the, the the schedule matches up for him to fight the winner. Uh, obviously, Estrada has fought him twice already with uh, Rungvisai winning the first fight and Estrada coming back to win that epic fight that was up for fight of the year at the Forum. And he's he's knocked uh, he's knocked out um, Chocolatito. Remember at the at the StubHub Center, I was there at that fight in, in 2017. And at that point, it looked like look, we we know when you suffer a knockout like that, in a lot of cases, it can end your career. So the fact that Rungvisai is standing there for the winner is another great thing for this division and another great thing for the sport. So we uh, we've got another big fight likely coming our way as a result of uh, uh, whatever happens on Saturday. Yeah, great point, Lance. I mean, Rung Vasai is uh, an elite guy too. Fun, really fun fighter. He just comes straight forward and wings bombs. So, uh, yeah, we'll, hopefully we get him against the winner, if not a trilogy. And I, I wonder if we can get one of these guys at some point against uh, Naoya Inoue, the monster, because he's sitting there at 118 with no big fights. Uh, I don't know if Chocolatito is big enough, but certainly I think Rung Vasai and Estrada are big enough that they can maybe fight Inoue at some point. You know, and look, let's be honest, and I think they'd, they'd be up for it. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, what Inouye wants to do. But, yeah, I mean, those would those would be slam dunk, all action, unbelievable fights. I'd love to see it. And let's not forget that Inouye's U.S. debut was actually on a, a Superfly card in, in Carson, California. So he has deep familiarity uh, with these guys, and it makes all the sense in the world. Of course, boxing can get in its own way sometimes and ruin uh, a good idea, but it's definitely something that, that should be pursued, no doubt about it. And speaking of those higher weights, we have a guy in David Benavidez who fights Saturday against Ronald Ellis on Showtime, and he's dying to get a big fight, and he needs it. I mean, Canelo Alvarez is sitting out there, 168 now, you know, the pound-for-pound king. We have Jamal Charlo, who Benavidez has been trying to fight. We have his bitter enemy, Caleb Plant. There's so many good opportunities for David Benavidez. I hope he gets one of them soon. And we're going to j- welcome him to the show right now. David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what did you, what changes did you make this time around to make sure that you made weight? Well, you know, I just want to, you know, thank you for inviting me on this uh, this show, getting this interview in. But, you know, this it's, it's been a long training camp. I've been, you know, training extremely hard, obviously, because of what happened the last fight, um, you know, me losing the title on the scale. But I went to Big Bear with three months in advance. I went in December, um, December 12th, all the way to to now. So it was at, at least 13 weeks training. And then, you know, just being more dedicated on the diet, you know, just being way, uh, more on the weight, you know, just checking it every day. And, um, you know, it paid off. This um, Before I left California, you know, I, I was uh, had a, a last workout session and I, I weighed in at 168. So, I mean, I've just been trying to maintain it. You know, this is the first time in my career I've had that. The last week I'm already on weight, you know, before I even get to the place. So, I mean, it feels good, man. Honestly, it feels good. I'm just relaxing, just sleeping as much as possible, letting my body rest, and and then just going to perform on Saturday night. 
There, there's a couple of great things that come out of training in Big Bear. I, I would assume that one is, you know, the hill training and the running and the altitude that you can get in shape, but also the solitude that you get. Um, what did you What did you draw out of that experience in Big Bear? I mean, did you have have some time to really kind of like focus on where your career is headed and what you want to accomplish, not only this year, but in the years to come? Yeah, definitely. It was definitely just... Um just me looking, um, just looking what I want for my career in the, in the next couple of years. And, um, you know, the, the best thing about Big Bear, you know, the peace and quiet you get out there, you know, it's basically just the gym, the supermarket and the gym again, you know what I mean? So it was, uh, it's definitely a place to go to be the most focused you could be. And then also just having my son, um, he was just born, uh, he was three months when I left. Now he's six months. And then just, you know, just wanting to be as motivated as I can be for him and, you know, working as hard as possible for him. But, you know, what I what I really want to be now is just be a really uh, a professional and be one of the best super middleweights in the world. And, you know, honestly, right now, I feel like if I go get, uh, up against Canelo, Caleb Plant, I could beat all of them. You know, this is the type of mindset I have right now. And I feel amazing. And, you know, we're just going to make that possible in the next uh, few years. All right, Lance, let's take a real quick pause here as we hear from one of our sponsors. David, obviously, you're one of the best action fighters in the sport. Fans are really excited about you, but we're all waiting for that big fight, and I know you are too, and I'm sure it gets frustrating. Uh, what do you think the holdup is? Do you think we're going to get that big fight for you next after this? Um, to be honest, I don't know. I think like um, all these other fighters, they see that's a big risk fighting me, especially since I don't have a belt right now, but um, the fight's going to have to happen sooner or later. You know, I feel like the fans are calling it. You know, me versus Canelo, me versus Caleb Plant, or even me versus Charlo. I feel like I've paid my dues and I, I deserve the big names right now. And, you know, I just, the, all the fights, all the fighters want to see the big fights right now. So, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm just, uh, hopefully I get these fights soon. You know, I'm ready for anybody, everybody and everybody. So whoever they want to put against me, you know, let's get it. Yeah, uh, obviously Canelo fight really, really big. He's the biggest star in the sport. Kale Plan fight is big. But for me right now, I love that David Benavidez, Jamal Charlo fight. I think that's my favorite like fantasy matchup in boxing because I know it would be brutal. It'd be an action fight. And Charlo's a big guy. He can easily make 168 and be a big dude where no one's going to say you're too much bigger than him. I mean, th- I think that's the fight to make. Do you think it can happen? Yeah, I hope it happens. You know, I'm going to keep pushing it. And I want to make that fight happen um, after this fight in September, hopefully. But at the time right now, I got a, I got a, I got a task in front of me in Ronald Ellis, you know, and hats off to Ronald Ellis because not too much people wanted to accept the fight. And my respects to him, he's the only one who accepted the challenge. And, um, you know, I worked for him like if he was a world champion, you know, so I'm extremely ready for this fight. I know this fight is, um, it's not, he's not, he doesn't have too much of a big name, but for me, you know, it's a big fight, you know, just to solidify myself and put myself back in position to fight the other uh, great fighters. So, you know, I'm looking to have a great performance come Saturday. It seems like there are two great things that you get out of this fight. One is that you can accomplish, you know, making 168 and and shut up your doubters. The other thing is, is that you're, you know, you're getting this fight against Ellis. What is he, what is he going to do that presents any kind of problem for you? What has you most concerned as you head into this bout? Well, this could um, this could be the fight that he's most motivated about. This is probably be the, the fight he trains the hardest for in his whole career. You know, just knowing the stakes, you know, it's a title eliminator at the end of the day. So... I mean, I'm whatever he wants to bring. If he wants to be a brawler, he wants to be a boxer, he wants to move around the ring, it's my job to catch him around the ring. Or if he wants to brawl, it's my job to mix it up with him. 
but I've, I've prepared for everything. I've prepared for, you know, I've had countless hundreds and hundreds of rounds of sparring for this camp. You know, I've all sparred 15 rounds with three different guys every time I sparred for three months straight. So, I mean, um, I'm not really too worried about what he's going to do. You know, I already know that, you know, I'm going to start off with a great jab, then go down to the body, then fight in the head again. You know, that kind of works for every every opponent I go up against. So, you know, I'm not planning on changing nothing. But, you know, if he wants to, he wants to if he wants to give me a hell of a fight, you know, I'm all up for it. You know, I want a great fight. So whatever he's going to do, I'm going to be ready for yeah. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, fighting under the PBC banner, we know that sometimes it's to the detriment of boxing that Al Heyman is is very liberal about trying to, trying to give his fighters what they want. But in this case, you actually want a super fight. Have you had those conversations? And what do those conversations sound like when you're talking to the superiors at PBC about what you want for your career after this fight? Well, I mean, they just tell me first I have to do what I have to do in this fight, you know, and I have to look spectacular. But, um, you know, I've, um, I've been talking to Luis de Cuba, so I haven't really talked to Al Heyman. And, you know, they said, you know, we can make anything possible as long as I keep doing what I'm doing, stopping the people. And as long as the people keep demanding the fight, you know, anything's possible. So that's why, you know, I'm confident that maybe a fight with Charlo could be made in September. But, um, you know, I just got to I got to look good Saturday. I got to do what I got to do and look impressive. And we'll see what happens, you know, in the, in the next coming months. Yeah, and David, I obviously have watched you spar dozens of rounds. Austin Emma Williams, Alexander Vozdik, uh, Sean Porter, and those are brutal sparring sessions, you know. Um, that's got to take a toll. Uh, I mean, for, for those that haven't seen you, could you describe what your sparring sessions are like? I mean, as violent as they could get, you know. That's, what, that's how I like to fight. And that's how I like to spar. Um, but, you know, that's what teaches me how to be the fighter I am in, in the ring. You know, you can't have no love or no compassion for nobody. You can't feel bad for anybody either. But um, that's what it is, man. You're either you're either the killer, you're the, either the one that gets killed. So, you know, pick one. Um, and I decide to I want to be the killer in the ring always. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes you hear commentators compare a boring boxing match to a sparring session. But I was like, man, not a David Benavidez sparring session. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, th- this this matchup with Caleb Plant, it seems like it's been percolating now for a couple of years. And I know that you guys have genuine beef. What's the backstory there? Um. It's just the backstory there, two people disliking each other, you know, two people thinking they're better than one another, you know, but you got one, you got two completely different fighters, you know, I'm a, I stop people, that's what I like to do, I like to drop people, knock people out, he likes to outbox people, so it's two completely different styles, and, you know, just the attitude, you know, I don't like his attitude, I don't like the way he acts, I don't like the way he thinks, and I just, I think the only way we could settle our differences is get in there and fight each other, but, you know, since he has the fight with uh, maybe Canelo, he's going to fight in September. Maybe, you know, he probably won't fight anybody until he gets that fight, you know. So even but even after he gets a fight with Canelo, you know, I still want to get that fight. If he wins or loses against Canelo, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't take anything away from this fighter that match. You know, I want to get that fight in him, you know, whatever happens in September with him. Yeah, you know, I I know we say this all the time, but I wish boxing worked more like the UFC. I think in a perfect world, we would have had David Benavidez versus Kale Plant and the winner gets Canelo. And then you guys are going to make more money. You're going to be bigger going into the fight. And we get another fight we want to see. But we're not getting that next. And, you know, Kale Plant, you're right. He's probably going to wait around. What were your thoughts on his last fight against Caleb Truax? Because I know a lot of people thought he should have got him out of there. And it seemed like he just was content to get the victory. Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like he should have got him out of there. You know, um, I just don't feel he has the 
the power, you know, to to be with the lead of the, of the division. You know, you get a guy like Caleb Truex where his last fight, he couldn't even make weight to the point where he got dehydrated and couldn't even make it to the fight. You know, the one where he was f- supposed to fight a Perangulo. So, I mean, you can already just tell right there if you can't make it to the fight, you know, there's already something wrong there. And then he gets he got knocked out a long time ago by Anthony Durrell, a person that I stopped. I mean, Caleb Plant, he was doing what he had to do. He was landing the shots he had to land, but he couldn't stop, you know, an over-the-hill guy like Caleb Truex. I think Caleb Truex is 39 years old or something like that. So I think to him to make his point that he was a great champion, that he should have stopped Caleb, um, Caleb Truex, and he didn't. Well, I mean, you've gone even beyond saying that you can defeat uh, Caleb Plant by saying that you have a legitimate shot to defeat a guy who looks unbeatable right now in Canelo Alvarez. Talk about that uh, potential matchup. And I know this is a fight that probably can't happen until next year at least. But as you assess this matchup, why are your skills suited to defeat Canelo? Well, because, you know, I'm younger. You know, I feel like I'm hungrier right now. You know, I have a great jab. You know, I'm taller. I have great combinations. I throw great body shots like him. I have great uppercuts. You know, I move around pretty good, too. You know, the guys that Canelo's pretty fought, they've just been kind of one dimension. They throw one shot. You know, they stay right in front of him. They don't, they let Canelo come in. He don't, they don't throw no jab to keep him off of him. You know, I'm just a completely different fighter. And just the way I feel right now, I feel like I'm the best shape I've ever been in my life. You know, I feel motivated, you know, physically and mentally. I feel the strongest ever. And I just barely turned 24 years old. You know, I'm getting close to my man strength. You know, maybe next year when I get that fight, I'm 25 years old, I'm even stronger. And the experience I'm getting right now with all these fighters, you know, I feel like that's definitely helped me helped me a lot. You know, I've been professional eight years already. And I feel like I'm the man that I could that that could get that job done. You know, and and just I just I want the respect from everybody. I want the respect from my people. I want the respect from the boxing world. You know, I for this fight, this is the hardest I've trained for from any other camp, and this is not even a big fight. You know, I've, I made weight this. I made weight this week. You know, I've just been relaxing, and I'm fighting against somebody that's really virtually unknown. So imagine how I'm going to feel if I get how motivated I'm going to be if I get a fight with Canelo. You know, I feel like this the camp is going to be even better than this camp, and this camp was tremendous already. So I know what I can do myself. I know the power and the strengths I have, and I know where I can take myself mentally. So I know if I get the fight with Canelo, you know, it's going to be a whole different David Benavides, and I can't wait till that beast comes up. Yeah, it's funny, right, David? Because you know, you talk about turning 25 next year. Jamal Charlo said something crazy about he's not fighting you until you're 25 and vaccinated. <laughs> what, yeah. was your, what was the what was that about? I think that's just the silliest thing you could ever say to somebody. I mean, if it's if you have a young guy in front of you and you could th- you think you could take him out, why not make a good paycheck and take him out? I think he's just saying this type of stuff because now he's like he's backtracking a lot on what he says. He said he was going to knock me out, and I guess he thought I wasn't going to say nothing. But when I responded, I think that kind of left him and his team shocked. But, you know, I'm not scared of nobody, and I'd rather fight. I'll fight anybody. I'll fight anybody now, and I'll I'll guarantee you I'll beat anybody. I'm not scared of nobody. This is why I got into boxing for, to fight the best of the best. You know, I'm professional. I've been professional eight years already, so now let's, let's go get them challenges. Yeah. Do you think Charles is scared? I don't know what he is. You know, I, I mean, a lot. if I say something, people take it out of context and say, you know, David Benavides said this. If I say something, you know, what, but I don't, at the end of the day, you just let them talk and see what they want to do. If we could, you know, I want to fight him in September. I don't see why not, why we can't make that fight happen. 
Look, at, he has nobody to fight at 160. He said he was going to come up to 168. Why not fight one of the best fighters at 168 and make a good paycheck? Uh, people, I mean, you would want to see it. Everybody else I know would want to see it. So why not make the fight happen? He's already 30 years old, two-time world champion. I mean, he's not young. You know what I mean? So why? what is the reason that we can't make the fight happen? And I'll give you an answer right there. You know, if, if he doesn't fight me in September or fight me in later this year, then you'll, then you'll see if he's scared of me or not. And also, David, I mean, great parallels between you and Charlo. Jermall Charlo coming up, he wasn't signed by Golden Boy. Jermell Charlo was regarded as the, the better fighter. And, you know, similarly with you and Jose, your brother, I mean, Jose was the one with top rank. Top rank passed on you. And, you know, I think, you know, you guys are both counted out. And now you guys are both on top. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, And it's just a great fight at the end of the day. You know, I like Charlo. He's a good fighter. I've, I've been watching Charlo's fights for a long time. But this is a position I want to be in. I want to fight the guys I've been watching since I was a little kid, you know. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the boxing needs us. You know, boxing needs a type of fight like this. Two young, hungry warriors going at each other. I mean, the people win. The people are the ones going to be end up winning. No doubt. David, I, I wanted to ask you this, too, because, you know, like, I know family is so important to you. And anytime there's, like, a little bump in the road, like there was... Uh, for you last fight, you're going to hear these cat calls saying like, oh, you should separate from your family. Can you talk about the, the loyalty that you have to your father being in your corner and what that means to you and how that makes you the uh, has made you the champion that you are and the fighter that you are? Well, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I'm never going to separate from my dad. And anyway, you know, for, if anybody says, you know, everybody acts like they, 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 they want an opinion and they know what they're talking about, but they really don't. I've been training with my dad since I was three years old. So 21 years training with him, I mean, I feel like I've got here at this level because of him and I'm never going to separate. I mean, the chemistry we have between each other is amazing and we just know we feel it when we're in the ring. So, I mean, he's the one who brought me into the sport and, you know, I'm going to leave the sport with him. You know, I'm never going to separate from him. So I, mean, I don't care what nobody says and somebody acts like they, they, they have an opinion and they need to be heard. And I don't care at the end of the day, this is my career and. You know, I choose, if I choose to stay with my dad my whole career, then I'm going to choose to stay with him. Yeah, and David, what's going on with Jose? He hasn't fought since Terrence Crawford. You know, we, we know he had the leg injury after being shot, and he's a talented guy. He gave Terrence a good fight, I thought, but I know he's had some trouble. Yeah, well, you know, he still has his contract with top rank, so, you know, we still have to figure that out and see how they're going to move forward from that. You know, he's his own fighter, you know, and he has his own... um he has his own thing going on and he just had his daughter too. So I feel like right now he's uh, trying to enjoy as much time with his daughter before he comes back. But I'm sorry, but, um, you know, he'll probably be in there soon. You know, we're going to go back in Seattle and talk and see what's going to happen, you know, with him. And then I'm pretty sure he's going to be back soon. All right, David, uh, last question for me before we let you go. What's your prediction for Saturday? I mean, you know, you said that you were told that you have to have a big, spectacular performance to get that big fight. Are we going to get an early knockout? Yeah, I feel like I'm going to get a stoppage before the, the sixth round. You know, I feel really good. I mean, I don't see why not. This is the best I've ever felt. And, you know, I've stopped people like Anthony Durrell, Romo Angulo, and I don't think uh, um, Ronald Ellis is any, any different. So I feel like I'm going to stop him before six rounds. Well... David, thanks so much again. And you look great too. So I'm sure the work's paid off. We can tell you look a lot different. Yeah. Appreciate your time and look forward to the fight on Saturday on Showtime against Ronald Ellis. Thank you, brother. And I appreciate your time as well. Thank you, David. All right, Lance. Let's take a real quick pause here as we hear from one of our sponsors. 
Thanks again to David Benavidez. We're excited for the fight. And if you aren't already following David on Twitter and on Instagram, you can do so at Benavidez300. Lance, what are your quick takeaways from all that? Look, I mean, uh, the most encouraging thing, Mike, was just the way that David looked uh, to us. I mean, you saw that he uh, looks on weight. And it, uh, to me, that's the most important thing about this fight. He needs to prove that he can make 168 pounds, not just for you know us, the riders, uh, but for the fans and for himself, because that's where all these big fights uh, are before him. You know, whether it's against uh, Jamal Charlo or Caleb Plant or Canelo Alvarez, he's got to be able to make 168, and that's what uh, this fight is all about. He does that; he looks sensational. You know, hey, the world is, the world is there for the taking for uh, David Benavides. I'm I'm all always been a, a big uh, fan of this guy. Um, he is destructive. He has um, such great potential. You could definitely make a case that, you know, a fight with him and Canelo Alvarez would be an epic uh, show. And let's hope that it takes place by next year. But he's got to stay as disciplined as he appears to be uh, for this fight, you know, moving forward again and again. Yeah, you could just see it in his face, Lance, that he's leaner. He posted on Instagram yesterday that he's a, a picture of him on a scale of 168. So, it seemed like it was a big wake-up call for him, and I think this is one of the best talents in all of boxing. I mean, he has so much potential. This guy, big, strong, comes forward, real good volume puncher. Throws, I mean, who could forget that 11-punch knockout of Porky Medina? So, it's hard to see anyone dominating this guy, but, but like I said, I want the Charlo fight. That's the fight. Whether or not Benavidez gets vaccinated, <laughs> we don't know, but that we want Charlo Benavidez. And we hope Benavidez is going to get those big fights soon. Do you think it happens, Mike? I mean, that's a great point. I mean, do you think it happens? Why wouldn't it happen is my question. So I think it happens. You know, I actually think it's going to happen. I think we're going to get Charlo Benavidez. And maybe I'm just being optimistic. But I just think that if Canelo Canelo is going to fight Caleb Plant, why not do it? Like, who else are these guys going to fight? I mean, I guess you could have, I've heard some rumblings of Charlo versus Danny Jacobs, perhaps. And I mean, that's fine fight too, but I'd much rather see Benavidez. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's a lot on the line and I, uh, you know, look, you don't want to accuse anyone of being tentative because this is boxing. You get in the ring and you've got, you know, in my, by my opinion, balls of steel, but you know, are they going to be selective or is, is the Charlo camp going to say, nah, we'll just, you know, we'll wait. We'd rather fight Canelo rather than fight Benavides. And just the way that sometimes the, the gamesmanship that takes place, it seems like everyone's just kind of like sitting tight waiting for Canelo. And when, you know, someone's got to make that first move to say, you know what, I need to participate in a, in a big fight before I get that super fight. I want I need to build my name up uh, a little bit more. And if you have that full confidence in yourself, as David Benavides appears to uh, have here, right, from what we heard from him, you know, that's what it's going to take. So it is it can Charlo uh, fall in line as well? And say, let's get in there and see who the w- the winner is, and and bring on Canelo after that point, because whoever wins that fight definitely deserves a shot at Canelo. That's the issue, Lance. There's only so many big fights out there that actually constitute a big fight. And for for David Benavides right now at 168, it's one of the three guys we named. It's either Charlo, it's Planner, it's Canelo, and that's it. So we're gonna hope that he gets it after Saturday. But Lance, a couple of other fights that are happening: Devin Haney, big step up for him. Fighting Jorge Linares. It's probably going to be May 15th on the zone. And that's a done deal. Uh, really good fight, I think. Um, you know, Devin Haney, I think, has a chance to be a pound for pound top guy and a big, big star. He's a good looking guy. He has, you know, great personality, a lot of charisma. 
He's a great boxer, I think. I mean, not a great boxer yet, but he has a great talent. So um, he has Floyd Mayweather behind him, and he hasn't fought anybody yet, but Jorge Linares, even this watered-down version, it's a tough test, I think, and I think it's going to be a good measuring stick for where Devin Haney's at. Absolutely. He's going to be presented with a lot of things that, you know, the experienced Linares is going to present him. And I think that can only serve Devin Haney well. Yes, he has the pure physical talent to win the fight. And I would expect him to win that fight. But um, we know Jorge, Jorge Linares, the former champion, is a very crafty guy. I mean, this is a guy who who knocked down Lomachenko, the first man to do so. And um, he's a guy who also is kind of like at the stage of his career where this is desperation uh, time. So, look, with all these things in play, that's a great fight. Really excited about that. And I love that they're uh, they're talking about bringing that fight to Miami, Mike. You have some more news on that, that there's, you know, Miami is uh, really becoming a, a nice location on the heels of the Canelo Alvarez fight there. Yeah, it looks like that. I mean, all the, a lot of fighters were at that fight in Miami, and Matron's been doing a lot of fights in Hollywood, Florida, right outside of Miami. They have that giant, I think it's like a 400-foot guitar. It looks pretty cool. But uh, that's where Andrade versus Liam Williams is going April 17th. That's going to Hollywood, Florida uh, at the Hard Rock. And then it looks like Haney Linares is going to be at the Hard Rock too. I don't think that's finalized, but that looks like that. And we also might get Tiafimo Lopez versus uh, George Cambosis on Triller. That could be June 5th in Miami. So, you know, it looks like Miami's picking up steam now. And yeah, and then lastly, Lance, before we move on, you know, this Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua situation, Fury had some comments today that, you know, he's the fight's still not imminent and that, you know, Wilder could be in the way. But I, I, I'm, excited, you know, I'm excited to see how it unfolds. It's been a saga. I still think Fury Joshua is going to happen, but this arbitration does bear watching. You think that that's what the holdup is? Because, Mike, Mike, um, we usually are on the same page on the reporting. Um, you know, a source that I talk to makes it sound like just the, the announcement is like mere days away. You know, he described himself as very happy. He's saying that, you know, like we've got to get the, uh, the television networks lined up, uh, to make the formal announcement together, but otherwise the, the deal is done. Do you think it's the arbitration that they have to wait for before they have to, they, they can make this formal announcement? I'm not sure that that's necessarily the arbitration holding it up. Like that is a big worry, but it might be hard to announce it while the arbitration is going on. Mm -hmm. But I think the big holdup is that this fight's probably going to head to the Middle East and the Middle East has been shutting down a little bit over COVID. So Mm. you have to lock a site in. That's where, you know, I mean, Saudi Arabia paid over 60 million for the, for the site fee for Joshua against Ruiz too. So you need to get that giant pot of money. And right now I think they've had a little bit of trouble locking up the site um, so look, there's a lot to, I, the fight's going to happen. They've agreed to the fight. They have the financial, financial split. The problem is you need a site, you need a date. And like you said, you need to do the TV network. So I'm not sure that that all can happen in the next couple of days or anything like that. But yeah, I do think it will happen. Yeah. Here we are, Mike, on the one year anniversary of when COVID shut down the world. And you're talking about multiple fights in Miami and the, uh, the, the strong possibility that Fury Joshua is going to happen, uh, by a summer date. It looks like good times are ahead for not only us, but the the world of boxing and, and the world in general. Um, so it's it's good that we've uh, finally reached this point, huh? Yeah, it definitely feels good. Dark times a year ago. Um, I remember I had just been in Dallas for the Mikey Garcia, Jesse Vargas fight. And then, you know, everything shut down. That was it. So I think it's also great when we get fights scattered in more places, you know, not just New York and Vegas and LA every time. Obviously, I love it. When, I love all those three cities for fights, but... I like to spread it around. And I think the UFC does a great job of that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with all of these with all of these fights coming, I think that, you know, there's going to be so much more to talk about. Um, you know, uh, I really I really thought that today's show um, was very forthcoming, I think, was is the word that kind of struck me from David Benavides. And it's going to be very interesting to see not only, you know, how he how he looks in this fight, but the things that he has to say even after this fight as he continues to uh, uh, push for those big fights that are before him. Yep, absolutely. So thanks again, everyone, for listening today. We look forward to watching David Benavidez fight Ronald Ellis Saturday on Showtime. And then, of course, the big rematch, eight years in the making, Juan Francisco Estrada against Chocolatito Gonzalez on the zone on Saturday in Dallas. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks again, everyone.